Well, hello and welcome again to the Bible No One Told You About. Now, let me give you a little bit of context for where we're going and what we're doing. Uh, you've probably heard us say by now, if you've been following online, our goal this year is to relaunch momentum, not to simply reopen. We don't want to just open our doors and let people trickle in. We want to take this time, get intentional, and go running into our future as a church family. That's what this Bible series is all about. This is going to be a well. If we're going to be pouring ourselves out, we want to dig a deep well in scripture that we can draw from as we move forward. Now, uh, if you're watching this on the week of June 6th, okay, if it's Sunday, June 6th or thereafter, we've gone public with our plans. So you could jump back online and watch our meeting via YouTube to hear what we're going to be up to and our specific soft open and grand reopening plans. I'm telling you that so you, you know, here's, here's what I'm saying. It is time for us to get serious. It's time for us to lean in. It's time for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work. It's time for us to lean into God's heart for our city and for us as a church family. That being said, I'm going to pray and we're going to dive back in to more of the Bible no one told you about. Let's pray together. God and Father, as a church family, be that online, in person, wherever we're gathering from, as a church family, God, we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, as we move forward as a church, we're just asking that you would go before us. We're asking that you would prepare a way for us to bring momentum back into our city in its most bright and healthy form ever. God, we know if we are going to have any of that happen, it's going to be by your power. So we're just saying, Holy Spirit, fill us up with your power so we can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read a verse to you in just a second, and I'm going to ask you a question. I want to ask you, what comes to mind when I read this verse? What comes to mind when I read these words? I, I would I would wager that these might be the most this might be the most second most popular verse in the Bible, but also often understood. This is the Bible no one told you about. So I want to tell you some things you may not have known about this text. So here it is. I want to ask you what comes to mind when you hear this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Now, what comes to mind? Maybe for you, it was a time that you got through some hard times in life and you remember opening up these words and you were comforted by the idea of God leading you. Maybe for you, you heard this at a funeral one time and you were grieving and then somebody stepped up and they read these words and they talked about comfort that's found in God. Or maybe for you, these are brand new words and you're not really sure what you think, but I want to tell you something that may be a little surprising. If you were to go back to first century Palestine, the world that Jesus walked in, or shoot, even the world for the couple thousand years before Jesus, when you heard these words, the first thing that would have come to mind is leadership. That's right, leadership. Not warm fuzzies, not, hey, how's things going? Are you okay? The idea is leadership. Now, I know this is bizarre, but stick with me. When we think leadership, you might think of great leaders in times past, like Steve Jobs, or maybe more presently, like uh, Michelle Obama, or even Jocko Willink. But did you know, for first century culture, when they thought leadership, it was synonymous with the idea of a shepherd. When you hear shepherd in scripture, 
When you see shepherd cover to cover, and trust me, the word shepherd is littered through scripture from beginning to end. The idea that comes to mind for the biblical audience at that time is the idea of leadership. Over and over and over, the Bible talks of shepherds. Over and over and over, the idea of being a shepherd is connected to being a leader. Here's why I tell you that. If you want to know scripture, you got to know shepherding. If you want to know leadership, you got to learn to lead like a shepherd. If you want to lead in the world around you from a biblical standpoint, let me show you what I'm talking about. Now you catch it when you read, if you were to go back and read Psalm 23, I'd encourage you to do that. But over and over and over, we see leadership and shepherding tied together in scripture. And today we're going to learn how to lead like shepherds. Let's run through the scriptures though. Maybe you're familiar with some of these names, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, Amos, great leaders of God's people who all got their start as shepherds. Where was David when God called him? Where was Moses when the burning bush appeared? They were watching sheep, leadership and shepherding. There's times when the leaders of Israel had grown corrupt. They have led the people of God astray. The charge that God brings against them through the voices of the prophets, the charge is they have been poor shepherds. Let's go to Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says to the shepherds who what? Tend my people because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not uh, and have not bestowed care on them i will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done let's go to the mouth of jesus himself when he was speaking of his role as israel's chosen messiah he described himself as the good shepherd one of Jesus's closest followers, Peter, would grow and after the resurrection, write and, and care for churches himself and talk about the role of church leaders. And he says this in 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be what? Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Theologian Dr. Mark Moore says it like this, when God delegates his authority to kings, priests, and prophets, he expects them to what? Lead like shepherds. For Yahweh, shepherd is no mere metaphor. It is a divinely authorized method of exercising authority. The leader's power is for protection. The Bible gives us a brand new metaphor for leadership. Now, you might be going, what the? We were in Psalm 23 and now we're talking leadership. I, I don't even know if this applies to me this week. I mean, I guess I have some people I work with that look to me. What, what are we doing? Why take a week on this? Well, I'll tell you. I want to tell you a couple of things and then we're going to just go running into scripture. Uh, I'll tell you this. Number one, everyone has leadership potential. No matter who you are, there's a place and a space in your life where you can lead. 
If you are a parent, you are a leader of those children. You are forming them, shaping them, and taking them into God's will for their life. If you're an older sibling, you have siblings who are looking to you. If you're in the marketplace and you have some direct reports that are looking to you, you are a leader, believe it or not, or at least you have the potential to lead. If you have no direct reports, just a bunch of peers, you can lead by example. If you showed me your life, I could show you the potential for leadership. Don't sell yourself short. Here's the other thing. Leadership is a godly matter. What do I mean when I say that? Well, there's two things that come to mind. Well, as Dr. Mark Moore stated, leadership is about the stewardship of authority. If you are a leader in the church, in the workplace, or at some place in your life, God has given you authority to steward. Your responsibility is to use that authority in godly ways. Here's the other thing about leadership. Here's why it is a godly issue. Leadership is all about the treatment of people. Some of you have worked for a bad leader before. And in the wake of any bad leader, I can guarantee you there is a group of people who feel mistreated. And even if that leader had good intentions, the lack of leadership skill can lead people to feel devalued and hurt. And it is at that point, leadership becomes a very godly matter. So today, I'm going to train you to lead like a shepherd. This is from scripture. What does it look like to lead a family? What does it look like to lead in the workplace? What does it look like to lead in the world around you? It looks like shepherding. Buckle up. Here we go. Point number one is simply this. Shepherds put their sheep first. The shepherds put their sheep first. Let's go straight to the mouth of Jesus. When he said, I'm the good shepherd, John 10 was simply this. I am the good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Let's go back to those opening lines. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but did you know that Jesus in that sentence is drawing from a very common image in his culture? See, in, in the night watch, shepherds would take sheep into a pen. And then sometimes there would be a gate, sometimes there wouldn't be. In both cases, the shepherd would literally lay his body down in the opening of the pen. He would lay down in front of the pen. And in that way, he is watching to make sure no sheep get out, but he's also watching to make sure nothing from the wild gets in. In other words, before anything happens to these sheep, it will first happen to me. He puts the sheep first. Now, these are common words. Some of you may have even heard Jesus say this before, but don't let it, don't let it cause you to overlook the massive paradigm shift that Jesus brings about to leadership. This is a paradigm shift for sport, for example. In the world of sport, 
If, if you were on a team and Jesus was there evaluating you and your presence on the team, he wouldn't simply be evaluating how many goals or points you score, your presence on, on the court or field, and how well you perform. This means that Jesus would be saying, what are you bringing to the other people around you? On Jesus's scorecard or on his stat sheet, he would be looking at not just what you are able to do for yourself, but what you are able to bring out of the other other people around you. Are you putting them first? This is a major paradigm shift for vocation. I mean, I don't have to talk to you about, those of you who work in the marketplace, about how competitive it is in the world of marketplace leadership where the common assumption is I wanna get in there, I wanna pay my dues, I got a vision for where I want my career to be, and I wanna get to this place so then when I'm at this place, I can spend more time doing the things I like to do in this organization, less time doing the grunt work, and I'm more free of trouble and problems. Jesus takes that idea flips it on his head and says, you really want to lead? It's not about you anymore. It's about the people around you. And the mark of a great leader now in, in Jesus's economy is what you bring out of the people around you. It's, it's the way that you are able to put them before you. That's a paradigm shift. Let me, let me explain it like this. So my wife works in a hospital. And I actually think she does a great job with this, but let's imagine she, she came to me one day and said, Matt, I, great message, your most handsome pastor I've ever seen, but how do I live this out in the hospital? Well, here's what I would tell her. I'd say when you go in, it's not just about your skills, being on time, getting on your lunch break and out of there when you want, want to. It is now about you taking care of the other people who work with you. It is about you finding ways to make them better, even if it costs you something. I, I had a friend and his father wanted him to get this from the time he was very young. And so he taught them how to play checkers. But it, they didn't play checkers, they played reverse checkers. Now think on this, rather than moving and trying to capture and acquire as many pieces as they could, the game was flipped on its head. And what you would do is skillfully maneuver your plate pieces to where if you got in front of somebody else, they had to jump you. And so my goal was to get jumped by you and for you to take all of the pieces from me that you could. He did it for a simple reason. So his kids would grow up understanding in life and in Jesus's kingdom, our goal is not what we can get, but what we can give away. That's how godly leaders view leadership. Shepherds put their sheep first. Number two, shepherds lead by example. I want to go to one of my favorite leadership passages in scripture, 1 Peter 5, 3, 2 through 3. Shepherds, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, that's the, it's not for you, but be eager to serve, not loading it over those entrusted to you, but what? Being examples to the flock. Shepherds set an example for the sheep. Great shepherds lead by example. Consider uh, for a minute the difference in a cowboy and a shepherd. 
Now, America has this rich history of cowboy culture and the testosterone man driven with broad shoulders on top of the horse. And listen, I, I love me a good Western movie, so I'm not trying to throw that out entirely. But I am saying you've got to be careful because that isn't the picture of leadership that we see in the pages of Scripture. See, the cowboy and the shepherd both have the same task. They have a herd that they need to take care of and they gotta make sure they're healthy and make sure they're not diseased and get them from A to B and feed them and water them and protect them. But if you picture in your mind a cowboy getting his cows where he needs to be and a shepherd getting his sheep where they need to be, there's a big difference. The cowboy you picture riding at breakneck speed on a horse with a whip in hand, biting his cheek, riding fast, pushing the cattle at breakneck speed. But what do you picture? When you think of a shepherd, you see the shepherd walking first, setting an example, and the sheep following behind. See, the cowboy's tools are fear, force, and coercion. The shepherd's tool is his example. Oh, consider Jesus for an example. When, when he wanted to savor the last few hours he had with his disciples, and he wanted to impress this idea on them. Hey, your job is to go into the world as servants. You're not to be Caesar, you are to serve. He didn't give them a lecture. He didn't have bullet points and outlines. He got up from the table, tied his tunic around his waist, got down on his knees and cleaned the dirt out from between the toes. He set an example. Some of you military leaders and uh, those of you who are into American history might know the leadership of Dwight Eisenhower. He was famous for saying these words. He was famous for the idea of leading by example. And he was often known to bring a chain into his boardrooms and war rooms, set it on the table in front of all the men that he led, and say, okay, we got to get from here to there. I need you to get this chain from here to there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to push it. And they would go reaching for the chain and go, stop, really quick, really quick. Before you push that chain, what do you think is going to happen with all the links when you begin to push this chain across the table? And people would inevitably say, well, we don't know. Because, I mean, they're going to wrinkle, they're going to crease over one another, but it's kind of impossible to predict what will happen. He goes, great point. Do me a favor and pull the chain across the table. They would reach for the chain. He said, stop. What's gonna happen when you pull this chain across? They go, well, all of the links are gonna fall in line and follow the example we have set with the first. And Eisenhower would say, exactly, we have to set an example. This is what godly leaders do. Now, this is very spiritual, but it's also very functional. And I'll tell you the phrase. Here's what I know. The people you lead will do what you show, not what you say. The people you lead will do what you show them with your actions, not what you say with your mouth. Go back to Jesus watching the disciples' feet. He knew that the disciples weren't going to just simply do what he told them to do. He needed to model it for him. There was power in modeling. So if you've got some kids that you lead and, and you want certain behaviors from them, you want them to grow up and be certain kind of people and possess certain types of character, well, they're going to do what they first see in you. You got a team that you lead in your workplace and you, got, you need them there on time and to be sharp and solve problems and think on their feet and be proactive. Well, can I tell you something? They're gonna do what you show them, not what you say to them. Great shepherds lead by example. Third and finally, a true shepherd 
will sacrifice for their sheep. December 3rd in 2003, the war in Afghanistan was underway and there was a group of 23 special operative soldiers navigating their way through the mountains of Afghanistan with no help from GPS. All they had in the area and in that time was some old Russian topo mats. The sky above them was cloudy, but on the other side of the clouds, there were two A-10 warthogs that were there to support them. Um, pilot Johnny Bravo, that was his call sign, was uh, the, the head pilot of the first A-10 and he had a wingman falling behind. If you don't know about this aircraft, it's heavily armored and it's designed to offer ground support to troops. Now, people on this day remark about how different the scenes were above the clouds and below them. Uh, Bravo remembers seeing a bright sunny sky as the sun was setting over the horizon and everything felt peaceful and smooth. But on the radio, the impression he got from the special officers below or the, you know, the special unit below uh, was that things were eerie. It was dark. It was unfamiliar. And, and with the old torn up map, they were navigating to some very hostile territory. So Bravo decides to go in and take a peek at what's going down there and make sure that the troops know that he's there to support them. So he dives down beneath the clouds. He wants them to feel his support, but here's the other thing. They don't have such advanced equipment that we do today. All he has is the altitude and his speed, and he knows that he can dip down between these two mountains by counting 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, you gotta pull back on that stick at five and rise back above the clouds so you don't hit the side of a mountain. So he does so. And on his first dip over the radio, he hears troops in contact, which means enemies have now opened fire on these men that are in this valley between two mountains. Bravo remembers seeing tracer fire being poured down onto the troops from every direction. Uh, this isn't good. He pulls his stick, he makes another dip, and he dives down his gunmen offering cover fire to these troops to try and keep them alive. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand. He pulls out. He circles back around. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Coming within mere feet of mountains that could have ended his life. He continues to do this. The troops are surviving, but barely. He keeps doing this until he has fuel, but he's run out of ammo. Now his wingman's plane is still full of ammo and ready to roll, but his wingman is too uncomfortable with these frightening conditions to dive down and offer the troops the support they need. So Bravo says, tell you what, you stay on my wing, I'll dive back down and I'll lead you where you need to go. So the two planes fly side by side, three feet apart, counting together, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand, pulling out until the second plane had run out of ammo and all of the troops who were in that position made it out safely. I don't think there's any question for any of us. Would you say that pilot Johnny Bravo is a great leader? The answer is yes and absolutely. But the question is why? 
Why, why do I get chills when I think of a story like that? Why does that make for good literature or a good movie one day? Well, what sits underneath that is one simple word. The word is sacrifice. And sacrifice is at the heart of true and godly leadership. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this is what separates true shepherds from cheap leaders. Go back to that passage in John 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for his sheep. He contrasts that with a hired hand. is not a shepherd who does not own a sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When it's about to cost me something, when I have to actually give up my well-being and my comfort, I'm out of here. Jesus would say that is simply cheap leadership. Now, what do we do with this, okay? This is a lot. How do you live this out? I wanna tell you two things. Number one, I'll tell you, pick one and place it in your leadership. You know, do you need to start putting the people you lead first? Do you need to pay attention to the example you set? Do you need to realize that when it hurts, you're doing something right and you need to continue and sacrifice your leadership? Hey, pick one. Pick one simple thing and apply it to your leadership in the places and spaces where you lead. But do you know what I really want you to do today? I want you to enjoy Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'd say it like this, just consider your Savior. We live in a world with far too many cheap leaders. People selling self-help advice, trying to make quick money, promising a life that they can't really deliver. But Jesus Christ stands so far apart from so many of the cheap leaders we see today. Great shepherds put their sheep first. Jesus did that for you and I. He didn't come for clout, to sit on a throne and acquire accolades. He came on mission to win humanity back to God. He put us first, not his own fame. Great shepherds lead by example. Jesus became flesh. He didn't love us from heaven. He became flesh, and he did so he, so he could model his love and faith and action. He did so so he could suffer like we suffer, not simply on a cross at the end of his life, but on the way to that cross, he experienced abandonment. He experienced hurt. He experienced being betrayed. He experienced being spit on all so he could die to win you and I back to God. A true shepherd sacrifices for their sheep. And Jesus was willing to sacrifice his very life so we could find out what life truly is. That's a savior worth following. I want you to just finish today by sitting in that for a moment and considering that we have a leader in Jesus Christ who is truly worth following. And I want to speak to you today, although it may be online, that have you, had you not trusted him with your life yet, he's worthy of it. If you've wondered if he's the right thing or one for you, he's worthy of it. And he thought you were worthy of him giving up his own life so you could be restored and healed, brought back to God in salvation. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. 
maybe maybe today is the day that yeah it was a leadership uh, talk but you're like I need Jesus I need him I don't want principles I want him and I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now here's all you got to do just close your eyes if you're driving you don't need to close them don't worry but I just want you to make this your prayer Jesus I give you my life you could say it right now Jesus I give you my life it's not everything you need to talk about with Jesus but it is where you get started He's worthy of falling. He leads by example, and he gave up his life so you could live. I pray you guys go in that this week. Love you guys. Take care. Peace.